And for the next couple segments, as part of our ticket character study, we'd like to welcome on the anchor of Free For All, the fourth muser, and the host of Ticket Stocks Friday Night Live, it's the great Mike Ducey. Morning, Mike. Good morning, boys. Good morning. Good morning. I appreciate the invitation to come on. Of course, of course. We've worked through the, we've worked through all the tier one hosts, and you're kind of the, <laughs> you're the sixth man, yeah. as we call it. You're the fourth muser. Yeah, I've I've heard a number of them. Was Gordon was Gordon just last week? Or was that? He was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, yeah. Two weeks ago, yeah. Uh, I, I don't promise uh, as memorable an appearance as that, but we'll we'll do what we can here. I was going to say we could talk about the same things if you want. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's basically the, the slug hypothetical is basically what me and Justin talk about off air all the time. So we gotcha. just had to gotcha. Yeah, your your opinions on it are always open, but I kind of wanted to <laughs> talk to you about working with the musers and when you're filling in for them, which you're their number one go to guy. I feel like if people don't listen to the musers that much and they t- turn on the station when you're on, it feels like you're a part of the show and you're not a fill fill in. Like the the chemistry is very natural. I kind of wanted to ask you of how that relationship started with them. I appreciate that compliment number one because I I really do. Terrible. I'm really serious about this. Admire what they do so much. I know you guys do as well. Just being in this in this business the, the thing that they've built is so special and so unique and i'm i was a radio guy long before i was a tv guy you know that's what i did in college and and for six seven years after college and to, to hear the way they're able to, to do their show every every day it's just i continue to admire it after all these years and i think maybe during this lockdown has been their finest hour, all things considered. And then the station in general, you know, the same could be said for all the shows, but since we're talking about those morning users right now, I think the stuff they've been able to put together during this lockdown has been, has been amazing. I guess I I just got to know them just sort of organically at uh, different events. And, uh, and, and, you know, I was probably 10 years into my time here before I really started to fill in, on a somewhat regular basis uh, for them when, when one of the guys would, would uh, go away. It's funny because I, I remember one time, this is relatively early in my time here, where it was just Gordon and me doing a show. And, oh, my God, you talk about sweating bullets. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a long four and a half hours for me, and I'm sure for him as well, because he could tell how nervous I was, and it was just one awkward segment after another. So, Cat has never allowed that to happen again. But um, now it's been a it's been a kick for me here over the last I think 15 years, especially to be able to fill in from time to time, and it's it's really. It's not all that often that I'm able to do it, but I jump at the chance, and I realize every time I do it how much easier they make it sound than it really is. And you guys can speak to this, you know, doing your shows every week. Just how you know, it, it takes a lot of work to put those things uh, on the air. You're you're filling a lot of air time, and you're trying to make it interesting and trying to inform people a little bit. So it's, it's, it's a hard job, but they, they make it sound so easy. So it's, uh, it just kind of came together naturally. I got to know the guys, especially uh, George and Craig at different events through the years. And, uh, you know, 
one thing led to another and just, just happy to hop on with him when I can. Have you ever done an 840 character? I, I kind of do consider Ducey's diary to be somewhat of a character because you are playing someone that's either all knowing or super depressed, but have you ever done <laughs> a character outside of that or thought about it? It's a good, it's a good question. I, I don't think that I have, I think the other bits, quote unquote, using that term loosely that I may have done at 840 in a pinch. I may have done the, the, the DJ bit where I, I walked the ramp and hit the post yeah. you know, on the on the songs. I think I may have done that a time or two. Um, I may have even one time run the drops. I might've, I might've gone into the control room and, and run the drops as some sort of bit that was, that was horribly failed as I look back on it right now. But for the most part, I, I've done the diary a time for two or, or two at eight forty, but I, I don't. I would never pretend to be able to fill that that hallowed time slot. <laughs> that's for sure. If you ever want to come play drops in the afternoon, Ducey, you're welcome to. I'll teach you how. It's pretty fun. Oh, I don't know how you guys do that. Man. <laughs> Talk about the most underrated skill at that station. That's it. It's pretty fun. Um. So moving to Dallas, when you started working in Dallas, coming from a small market to a major market, what was that transition like? And how long did it take you to get used to, you know, covering the Cowboys and, and working in a big market like this? Yeah, I was in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, which was market 80, 80 at the time. And I was, I was the weeknight guy at the CBS station there. And I'd only been that for about a year and a half. And... Uh, I, for some, you know, somehow they, they, they got a hold of my tape at channel four and the, the story's pretty well known for those who were around back then. They interviewed everybody for that job. Craig James, the uh, former SMU running back had been their sports director. Then he went to uh, ESPN, I guess it was, and became a national guy. And they interviewed uh, a bunch of pretty well-known national sports teams at the time to come in to, uh, to take this job and couldn't, couldn't agree with anybody. So finally they, they called me up and I came down and interviewed and, and, you know, I was able to go from market 80 to market eight in, in one jump as a, as a weeknight guy. And it was just, it's still hard for me to believe when I look at it that way, it was a little intimidating. I'm not going to lie to you. When I look back on it now and, and I got here three weeks before Jerry and Jimmy split up. So that was the first big story I covered. I don't know if I'd ever been to Valley Ranch before all of that stuff blew up. And, and suddenly, you know, I, I'm, we're looking for Jimmy's Corvette, you know, to pull in. And we can, you know, that was back when you had so much more access where you could basically hound the guy from his car to the entrance of Valley Ranch and try to get a comment from him. And I was just trying to figure out what the whole dynamic was and, and what the story was. And there were so many people who'd been here forever from, you know, Dale, of course, had been here for a long time and, uh, Scott Murray, and not to mention the you know the Galloways of the world, who are just institutions here. So it was it was a little bit intimidating, but it was always it was uh, also really exciting. You know, we we had the the Cowboys uh, package at the time, so to speak, uh, as the uh, the preseason games and the the coaches show. So I got to do the preseason games on Channel Four, and, and I got to do the Barry Switzer show, and and Gruden to know and love uh, Barry Switzer and, and his unique personality early in my time here. And he helped me out a lot. I got to know Babe Laufenberg well, early Babe actually did, did stuff on our station before he went to channel 11. And so 
Babe really opened some doors for me in terms of getting to know the guys on the team at the time. And uh, that's to this day why, you know, I'm able to have a Darren Woodson on the show the other night to talk about the DAC deal. And, you know, we've done a lot of stuff with Tony Casillas through the years. He's been a great friend of the station. And Troy's certainly been very good to me as well. And Michael and on and on. So uh, to answer your question, intimidating is a long answer. Intimidating, but really exciting uh, as well. And uh, I look back on it now, and it was really kind of an amazing time there in the mid-90s when I got here. Visiting with the great uh, Mike Ducey here on uh, Work in Progress, you mentioned jumping from Market 80 to Market 8. And I don't know a ton about the TV world. I just kind of know surface-level stuff. And, and one thing that I've always kind of had imprinted in my brain is the life of a of a TV reporter or anchor is you kind of have to jump around to a few different cities before you get to your big city. And it sounds like you were able to avoid all of that, but does it seem like that is kind of the, the path for a lot of people that, that work with you? Like I know Jeff kind of went that way of having to go from market 80 to 55 to 38, you know, like gradual steps. Yeah, I, I did jump a lot, but a lot of it was radio before I got into TV. You know, I was, I went to the University of Iowa and I worked in Iowa City and I worked in small towns around Iowa, Mason City and Webster City. I worked in Topeka, Kansas to go, to do radio, but they also had TV in the same building. And so that's where I first got a chance to do TV. So I went from Topeka, where I spent only like a year. My first full-time TV job was La Crosse, Wisconsin, for like three and a half, four years. Then I went to Cedar Rapids and then to Dallas. So over about a you know, 10, 12 14 year period we were in four or five different cities so there was a lot of jumping and that is it's pretty typical i mean it's it's i get a kick out of kids in college who will email me and i'm always happy to you know talk with them about you know this this business to the extent that i know anything about it and i can tell in the back of their minds they're thinking that i'm going to look at their tape and give them a job at at fox four right now and that they're going to be able to just kind of stay home and, and do tv and it, that just it just tends not to be the way uh, that it works. There are some people who are incredibly talented right out of college, and they get jobs in, in big markets. And I do think that's changed a little bit, maybe from the uh, quote-unquote old days. But it's I think it's still pretty typical that you, you jump around. And some of my best memories are from small-town stuff that I enjoyed, you know, and, and especially in radio. You're doing play-by-play of – every high school sport you can imagine, you know, high school wrestling in Iowa, you know, we do the homecoming parade live on the radio, you know, stuff like that. I mean, it really is a great training ground. It, it, it I think trains you to be a, a good ad libber and not, not to have to work from a script so much. And so stuff like that, I think is, is great training, but yeah, I, I had the opportunity to, to jump around a lot. And if you would have told me, 26 years ago that we would have stayed here for 26 years. I always said you were crazy. I really, I thought like a lot of people, I think who move here from other areas of the country, they think they're going to come down here and, you know, maybe make a little money with whatever job that they've had an opportunity to take and then, and then move back to the region where they're from. But you realize what a great area this is to live in. And, um, you know, from, from the weather to the people, to the, uh, during normal times, anyway, the opportunities and that the, 
this area offers. So it's been it's been a great a great place for us to uh, to live and for our kids to grow up. That's for sure. Yeah, I think that that David and I have probably experienced something similar just in radio. Meaning, we knew when we were joining this big station that we were going to be at the bottom for a while, and that's just kind of a a choice we had to make. Knowing, and now look at us, we're kicking ass <laughs> right on Sunday mornings where everyone <laughs> listens. Um, but that's a choice we had to make. You know, perhaps if we branched out to smaller cities, we could get other kind of jobs. But we like doing this here. Um, but as far as the the jumping around stuff, how does that work for the young reporter? Because if you are constantly moving cities, trying to move up markets, are you going to you know Waco and then immediately sending out tapes to other places until you get to keep moving up? Or do you have to wait until someone finds you? Like, I guess I don't really understand how you keep jumping from place to place. I mean, I think it can work both ways. I've never had an agent, but I know a lot of people in our business, even as they're starting out in smaller markets, have agents who are doing that for them. But I I think it's pretty typical that any, even if you have a contract in a small market, it has stipulations that allow you to move to a bigger market. You know, you might have uh, an out, so to speak, for a top 15 market, top 20, top 10, whatever the case may be. And I think I had a top 10 in Cedar Rapids, so I, I barely got in under the wire. But, you know, most of the, I don't know, it depends who you're working for. A lot of times if you're in a, a really small market starting out and, and you get an unbelievable opportunity in a top 10 or something, your your managers are going to be able to, are going to be willing to work with you on that. But I, I don't think it's terribly unusual for somebody to get a job right out of college in a small market and within six months to a year already be sending feelers out. Now, sometimes it can be like what happened to me in Cedar Rapids getting here is that I honestly am not sure how they or why they started looking at my stuff at Channel 4, but they did. And But other, I think more often it's, you or your agent making the overtures and and trying to to climb to, to the bigger market, and that's not to suggest or or, or even you know uh, say outright that the bigger market is is a better option. I know a ton of people, especially friends of mine back home in Iowa, and guys broadcasters that I have known forever who who work in Des Moines or Cedar Rapids and have raised their families and made their homes there and their institutions in those markets. And uh, I admire those folks as, as much as anybody in our business. So, um, you know, everybody has their own um, way of, of going about things. And yeah, do they, do they, do they make all the dough that we do here in Dallas? Probably not, but uh, they can, uh, they can enjoy their lives just as much as uh, we do as well. That was a joke about the dough. It's challenging times. Sorry. Have you ever thought about changing markets since you've been here? I'd prefer not to answer that question. <laughs> uh, during these uh, difficult, unpredictable times, I don't think it's probably best for me to. Uh, I suppose early in my time here, um, there may have been an option or two that that came my way that that uh, that could have happened, but uh, I think. The, the longer the longer that I've been here, the less uh, inclined I've been to, to look around or or move. Um, and I really, it sounds corny to say, but at the point now where I'm just really grateful that our, our station has kind of been willing to keep it on as long as they have. And 
um, we've got a great team there and really loyal viewers. So it's, I, I think Fox four in that way is, is similar to the ticket that, that we, we have a lot of people who, who watch us and only us and, and really grateful. 1016 here on the ticket. This is work in progress with Monty and Mino. Another segment with the great Mike Ducey. Now Mike, we call him the third work in progress member. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure he'll love that. Um, it's an honor, boys. Thank you. So hey, when Georgie's on our show tomorrow night, by the way, I didn't want to. I okay. To, uh, remember that. He said George, do, uh, Georgie. We don't. Yeah, George oh, is. We, I you, you know, that. our free for all time has been cut back for obvious reasons, but we're still doing a pretty hefty chunk in that 10:30 half hour, and uh, we've been doing Ticket Tuesday on and off. But I'm going to be at the ballpark Tuesday, so we're going to have George on. Tomorrow night, probably about 10.45, we'll do a segment with George on Fox 4 tomorrow night. You're going to have him jump into a pool like Dan did? (laughs) Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Or you need to play the rapping drop (laughs) to him over the speakers and let him hear that because that usually gets him upset. The rapping drop? Yeah. Do you have that, Josh? D in the pool drop. After school, I take a dick into the pool. Whoa! Whoa. 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 You take your one to the pool? He, he had a little bit of a flub when he meant to say dip that's in the, the pool. One, that's the one drop that he said he wishes he could purge from our system. I'm not sure how that would go over with the Fox 4 crowd <laughs> even that late at night. Um, I can't afford to take any chances right yeah, now. Yeah, just a suggestion. Just a suggestion. Okay. Um, so I am kind of curious. Like This might go hand in hand, but first part, if you are recognized on the street as a muser, what's one thing they bring up, and why is it about your hair? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, your assumption is correct there. Number one, it's amazing the percentage of the time that if somebody does recognize me on the street, I'll bet it's up to 75, 80% of the time it's followed with, hey, I love it when you're on the ticket. I mean, considering I am on the ticket probably fewer than 10 times a year, the mileage I get out of that is amazing. And then the I think Gordon started the toupee thing. What a shock. Way yeah, back right. in the day. And so, so, you know, we've all had fun with it uh, throughout the years. And then they'll quite often it's, hey, um, aren't you Mike Ducey? Love you on the ticket. And then they'll look at my head and say, man, that looks surprisingly real or something like that. So that, that tends to be the way the conversation goes. And the, on the rare occasion that someone recognizes me back in the days where I actually left my house. Oh. Yeah, I can't That's... wait to see the new edition of Deucey's Diary where he's in your house 24-7. Oh, my gosh. Same as yesterday. A little material there. A little material there, don't we? It, it, and here's the sad thing about the diary, too, is that you know, like I, we, I did go up north here earlier this summer and, and – we visited um, we visited with my dad briefly. So now even I am starting to think of the passage in my diary where my dad supposedly is being dismissive of me, which is totally untrue. But I, and I, but I'm sitting here and I've not explained that to my dad yet. I'm not I'm not quite sure how to broach that. But anywho, the ticket uh, permeates everything in my life now. Seemingly, something we like to ask our guests that have been working in media a lot longer than we have is. How has working in this age of social media changed? And are you a fan of it? How it's instant feedback, 
you can connect with with viewers, listeners a lot easier, but also they can give you their unsolicited HSOs whenever they want. Are you a fan of being in the social media age? I would have to say I kind of am a fan. And um, considering, you know, I was a little uh, older than, than others in our business, even when it, when it started to uh, become prevalent, um, I, I, I think I adapted to it fairly, fairly well. I don't uh, participate nearly as often as a lot of people in the media to communicate via social media, but that's been one of many reasons why having uh, youthful coworkers has been good with, with Sam Gannon and, and Jeff Cole, our other sports folks on the air who are a lot younger than I am. And, you know, they can introduce me to the gram and all these other, uh, you know, social media platforms, but no, I, I, you know, I'm always looking at it. I'm not going to lie to you. I look at Twitter. Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd hate to see, and I know we can get our screen time per week and all that, and mine was up 7% last week, by the way, but I hate to think how many times an hour that I tend to glance at, at Twitter. I mean, I'm just, I'm always connected to that. And I, I think it's it's changed our business in a lot of ways. I mean, it, the idea of, uh, just to give you one quick example, I, I remember when Chan Gailey was hired by the Cowboys, whatever year that would have been, ninety, the late 90s. We had a camera at, I think it was the Addison Airport, one of the small private airports there, because we had a tip that he was going to be flown in. And nobody knew who the next Cowboys head coach was going to be. There were four or five guys who'd been interviewed. We had a camera there, and we got grainy video from – 80 yards away of Jan Gailey getting off of Jerry's plane at one in the morning evidence that he was going to be the next Cowboys head coach. And so we got that. I went home, got a few hours sleep, drove back downtown to break that story on our morning newscast at six o'clock. And I picked up both newspapers on the way downtown and just prayed to God that neither one of them would have it. And neither of them did. So we actually had, you know, the exclusive for, for a little while there that, uh, that Chan Gailey was going to be the Cowboys' new head coach. So obviously today, if you had that, you would immediately put it on, on social media. Everything has to be instantaneous. So I think that's the, that's the biggest change in terms of the way things are, are covered now is how quickly news spreads and that can be, I think, a good thing that serves viewers and readers and listeners well. I think it can also be a dangerous thing if, if the information is is erroneous or if it's, you know, the people who are gathering it are careless about it. So we're visiting with the, the great Mike Ducey from Fox 4. You may also hear him filling in for the musers from time to time here on the ticket. I wanted to ask you about interviewing players or coaches or whoever. And I'll say for this question, we'll exclude Jerry from a few years ago because you didn't technically <laughs> interview him then. But do you remember the worst interview that you've done in Dallas? Don't say this one. Don't say this one. That you've uh, conducted. It can't be okay. the one that you've received this morning. <laughs> no, no, no. This has been great. Um, the purposes of this uh, this segment, this has been a great interview. Um, <laughs> I, I think it would be uh, a former Ranger an all-star um, closer, 
I'm going to give you a chance to guess it before I say the name because you probably, you guys are so young, you probably Neftali Feliz. stories about this guy. No, no. John Wetland. John Wetland. That was my guess. The answer. Yeah, man, that guy was, I found him to be, be very difficult, and, and I was not unique in, in that uh, in that way. Uh, he just uh, was, and I, I don't, I, I guess I remember one spring training interview in particular where he did, you know, he just, he didn't want to talk, and it was just just one thing after another. And it's not like we were screaming at each other or anything, but um, it was it was very difficult. You know, I've not, I guess, had that signature moment where I've, you know, been yelling back and forth with anybody. There have been people that have really been really intimidating in terms of you know trying to interview. I mean, Charles Haley was was scary back as as a player. I mean, it's funny now when you talk to Charles, he's uh, he's a lot of laughs, and we've had him on our show many times. But man, he you never knew which Charles you were going to get on any particular day after a practice, or certainly after a game that didn't go well. It could be it could be difficult. But I, I think if I had to pick out one, it was probably when the time at spring training. I can't think of, of many pleasant exchanges uh, there. Seems like he's not really that good of a guy either. Yeah. <laughs> the recent years. Uh, you'll also cover Cowboy Road games uh, from time to time, and that's something I've gotten to do uh, to go on the Cowboys charter. I've done that for a few years now. It's one of my favorite things to do up here. I want to know your favorite Cowboy road trip and your least favorite Cowboy road trip. Hmm a good question um you know favorite cowboy i mean new orleans is great just because of the city and the, the fact that boy if you can get a new orleans trip on a sunday night game so you can go out saturday night and be able to recover a little bit before the game sunday <laughs> that's always a great trip and then the dome itself and that whole game experience i think it's hard to beat that but i also love philly just because of how passionate those fans are and how old school it is. So I, I'd, I'd say, um, I'd say new Orleans, Philly, and then I've been to green Bay a lot on cowboy trips as well. seems like they've played the Packers in an inordinate number of times for a, a non-division opponent. And I grew up a Packer fan. So it's always a kick for me to go to, to Lambeau. So I, I think the unique, uh, just, the unique aspects of that stadium and that community are, are really cool. Least favorite. Um, uh, that's a, That's a good one. You know, the old, um, the old Oakland stadium was, it was really no fun, but the upside there was you in the back and, and how beautiful that was. I, I haven't, I, I was, I guess I'm still a small town enough guy to think it's, it's pretty cool to be, on a charter with an NFL team going to a road game to, to the point where I'm never going to think any of those trips is, uh, is too bad. And I'll be anxious to see if we're ever back in a situation where we're traveling that way um, as well. But it is, it has been a nice perk, hasn't it? That's for sure. I've got one from my dad here, Captain <laughs> Bill, who grew up in Swayce, grew up in Swayce City, Iowa, and he wants me to, oh my uh, God, he really? wants me to ask you about Sway City and Ledyard. My dad was uh, Captain Bill. My dad uh, grew up, uh, was born and grew up on a farm uh, near Sway City. 
but uh, as a Catholic family and a Catholic boy, went to uh, Bancroft St. John's, and that's the town I was raised in, as you mentioned in your tease earlier so nicely, uh, Bancroft, Iowa, and where it was a heavily Catholic community. So in, in spite of the fact it was a really small town and still is, the only school there was uh, a Catholic school, which has long since closed down. Uh, Ledyard is uh, a community even smaller than Bancroft and slightly smaller than Sway City. Captain Bill, one of my summer jobs in college was running the uh, the sports programs for the kiddos in Ledyard. So I was in charge of uh, baseball and softball on two different levels and got to know the uh, great community of Ledyard very well there. But we played uh, Ledyard, man, the Tigers maybe? I can't remember. I should be able to remember that. Uh, at baseball and basketball every year. Uh, great, great memories. Maybe you told me that before, Mike. I know you had. I knew you had some connection up there. I didn't realize it was that close. Yeah, I think that I was our. City. I think that was my icebreaker when I first met you. Was oh, I gotta yeah. say something that's somewhat interesting. Of uh, my dad's from Sway City, and I think the first time you're like, okay, that's cool. And then yeah, you went on you? to talk about George. You went to talk to George or somebody else more important <laughs> than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were a little more interested that time. The big jar of milk. Uh, well, we appreciate you uh, you hanging out with us for a couple of segments, Mike. We'll uh, be sure to be tuned in. You said you're having George tomorrow night, right? On free for all. Yeah, about ten forty-five tomorrow night for Georgie. Cool. We'll be you're by all. the channel. Thank you. Mike. Thanks, Mike. Good job, guys. Thank you. See ya. There is the great Mike Ducey. That was fun. fun that was fun. Segments with, with the Deuce. And I think our Iowa P1s had their lighters up at the last minute. <laughs> all the minos in northern Iowa. Yeah, all of our Iowa P1s. All right.